0: This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Now, you can receive a free audiobook if you go to Audible.com, sign up to become a member, and they'll give you a free audiobook that, even if you cancel, is yours to keep for life. That's at Audible.com. having one of those moments where I was just enjoying a cup of coffee in the morning, relaxing. And in Australia, I've been going through a winter, and today was that first sign that spring is just around the corner. You know when the days just get a little warmer, and... You sort of feel, feel something in the air. Well, today I felt it. And no, it wasn't the coffee. It might have been the coffee a little bit, but there was definitely something in the air. It was warmer. The bees were out in the flowers. There were flowers. And I was just looking on the grass, realizing that I needed to mow it. All signs that spring is just around the corner. Hi, welcome. It's a comfy place. I'm really happy that, yeah, you stopped by. Wherever you are, wherever you are in the world, kicking back, relaxing, and enjoying this time just to yourself. Remember those days where You know, spring after the cold. In other parts of the world, it would, you know, snow would recede. I have to confess that in Melbourne, we don't really have snow. We get rain and wind, but not a lot of snow. You have to drive about four hours ish to get to snow. But when the weather turns and it starts to become a little warmer, Oh, it's fantastic It really is So yeah, welcome So sit back and relax I have an idea And I would like to take you through it As you know, right now We really can't go anywhere We're, you know, stuck in our various homes And certainly We can't travel So here's my idea And I thought, you know, guide you through it and see what you think. Come on a virtual holiday with me. That's right. A holiday of the mind. I know it sounds a little crazy. But damn it, if there was ever a year to do some crazy things, it's this year. So we're gonna go on a virtual holiday. And when I say that, I'm actually going to take you through a holiday that I went on. One of those defining sort of moments in my life. And it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun and it was an amazing adventure. And again, a small uh, um, town you know, person going to another part of the world was just one of those. Anyway, sit back. Relax in your comfy place and come with me on a holiday to America. Okay, now if you're living in America, and I have a few listeners in America, um, welcome back to America. Okay, so I need to take you back uh, to, I think it was 1991. I was 16 years of age and I knew everything. And I thought I'd experienced everything because I lived in Baruga. I'd travelled to Cobram. I'd even travelled to now get this Shepherdon for McDonald's. Oh, yeah. And then one day, I came home and my father announced that we're going on a holiday. Now, up until then, my father's holidays have been yeah, kind of not the greatest when you look back. Great times, great times but well though were nothing compared to what was about to happen so I ask him I say fine um where are we going? and he says America USA Los Angeles San Francisco we're gonna duck down to Tijuana and then on the way home we're going to stop past Hawaii. Yeah, my jaw dropped and I was absolutely and utterly thrilled. Of course, we weren't going that weekend. We were going in about, I think it was about three or four months time. Oh man, but it was excited. Absolutely and utterly excited. Excited. Three months went past painfully, slowly. It's amazing how slow things pass when you're, you know, waiting for something, that anticipation. I received a passport. or well, I applied for a passport and I was accepted. You know that moment where you apply for a passport and you just think that the government's going to think that you're a hardened criminal or spy? And just not get a passport? Not that spies have any trouble getting passports. They tend to have a lot of them. Anyway, they know a guy. So we finally travelled down to the Melbourne airport. I was stunned at all the planes. You know, just, just sitting there, not doing anything. These castles that could fly. It, it just... It baffled me that they you know, could, in fact, take off. They do very well and very successfully, but... As a sixteen-year-old country bumpkin, a lot was happening, and there was a lot to take in. I remember being, you know, just planting myself against the window and just watching these thunderous seven four sevens take off. Wow! And eventually, it was our turn, and we boarded the plane, and we sat in the seats, and I was doing that thing, you know, when you hop in the the seat on the plane and you sort of check out your world. And everyone else around it. So, you know, there was a little pocket thing in front of me. So I was just going through, you know, everything that's in that pocket and the magazine. And I was flipping through that magazine and about 10 to 15 seconds later, I was done with that magazine. It's amazing how the magazine can look so... Amazing, like you know, stylish and all that kind of jazz, and yet not have anything interesting inside it whatsoever. Amazing, amazing places, amazing recipes, all that kind of stuff, and yet I find myself just completely utterly bored with that. The plane takes off. I am thrust into the back of the seat. That is a feeling I will never ever forget. And every single time I love it. Oh, I have a little trick. Um nowadays when I when I you know fly and when I when I fly again, we will all fly again one day, but I have a thing. Find some music and some high-tempo music, you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, stuff like that. And then just when you're taking off, you just Turn that music on, and I don't know why, but it just feels like it's a intro to a great movie. I know that makes no sense. You're not going to judge me. We're friends, so that's cool. I didn't have that then, but I've been doing that ever since. And then the plane took off, and we're in the sky. And then I discovered something that is truly Magical. Have you ever wanted to feel like royalty? Have you? Have you ever wanted to feel like you are a king or a queen or a czar or a sultan? And there's certain things in your life that just give you a little a little taste of that life. I was about to experience this. You see, on the plane. They were giving out, and brace for this, they were giving out free drinks. Yeah? You could just ask for one, and they will bring it to you. And you could ask for another one, and they will bring it to you. for a 16-year-old, this was just... (laughs) So I ordered a Coke, and it came. They even gave me a glass, and they even gave me some ice inside of the glass. The glass was plastic. It still had ice in it, and it was mine. And so I had that Coke, and it was fantastic. About an hour later, I ordered another one. Yup. I ordered another one, and then about an hour later, I ordered another one. Three cans of Coca-Cola, not a sponsor, but I'm being accurate to the story. Three cans of Coca-Cola were brought to me, and I drank them just like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how a sultan or a king, you know, that's their typical day. Receiving cans of soft drink whenever they want. I know, it was fantastic. The trouble is, the flight from Melbourne to Los Angeles, I think it was about 14 odd hours. And nowadays, of course, you've got iPads and computers and all that kind of stuff, but this was 1991. And if you wanted a computer on the plane, you'd pretty much have to buy... A separate seat for it. The big box and your big old square ass monitor, your mouse and, I don't know, Windows 3.1 running Solitaire. That's a lot of effort for Solitaire, by the way. So I had two forms of entertainment. Sorry, sorry, three forms of entertainment. One the movie that they were playing you know they had those the screen by themselves the movie that was playing i don't remember it it was completely um and un- completely forgettable i think they have to decide a movie that's not going to offend anyone on the plane so they go through all the lists and eventually get to the point where you know it's it's this this movie which is not great it's not horrible but it won't offend anyone so just go with that and then there was the magazine. I'd already finished that magazine, but i yeah, I'll keep going through that later on. And then there was a screen, which I can only attribute to some person really wanting to make a trip seem longer. Understand, I was going to Los Angeles and I was going to be the whole Disney World thing and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to get there right now, I'd never wanted teleportation any more time in my entire life. I wanted it right there. But I was on a plane, and I was going to take about 14 hours, and I was feeling every single second. And to make it last even longer, on the screen at the front was a little map of a little plane. And here's the line that we're going, and here's where we are right now, and every... Half an hour or so, it seemed to move like a little blip. I'd start to have a little game to see how long I could ignore it. And then turn back only to see that this thing hadn't moved at all. It was literally a watched pot scenario. And then we had dinner and then I thought, wow, I could just go to sleep. And I'll wake up and I'll be in Los Angeles. All I needed to do was read the magazine one more time, and boom, I'm gone. Now, remember when I wanted to feel like a sultan? And, yeah, I ordered not one, not two, not but three cans of, of Coke. Oh, and by the way, back in those days, there were those um cool little sort of half-can things, uh, but still pretty good, you know, in, in, in dosage. So, I'm high as a kind on caffeine and sugar. And I'm trying to go to sleep, and it was absolutely and utterly impossible. So I drift off for half an hour or so, and then I wake up, and I have to look at that progression thing, and then we haven't moved at all. And so on, and so on, and so on. And, and it seemed like the longest flight in my entire life nowadays i've got a really cool trick and here's a tip whenever you fly you know grab an ipad laptop whatever and watch really cheesy television and and television that doesn't really engage your brain no sort of mad men or the wire or things like that just something that rolls on uh, blacklist great example it just rolls on it's fantastic i am um, started watching uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. That's a pretty good show. It got a lot better. I think the closest thing we've got right now to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's it's a no-brainer. There's a lot going on, it, it throws a lot at you. You don't have to really reach and interpret and all that kind of stuff. And so it's throwing the story at you. And you just go through episode after episode after episode. And now what I would do is I would, whenever I fly from a place to place, I would then dissect. I think dissect is a good work. I would split up. Yeah, That'll do. I will split up the time with how many episodes. So it doesn't feel like one long flight. It just feels like a binge session. So yeah, you have an eight-hour flight. Okay, that's 40 minutes an episode, a couple other things. So that's about nine episodes. That's a binge session. Yeah. So you just do that and... It just seems a lot better. Of course, I didn't have any of that at the time. I had the magazine, I had the television, uh, the movie, which is obviously off now because of the sleep time, but they kept the map on as well. Lights out, but, you know, we're just going to keep that screen on as well. Anyway, we landed. We flew over Los Angeles. That is a big city. My dad started singing for some reason. It was incredibly embarrassing, but I remember it back with fond memories today. But at the time, it was one of those classic teenager moments like, oh, my God, I want to die. But he was over the time of his life. We landed at LAX. And then we experienced the wonder, the joy, the majesty that is Customs. If you've ever wanted to stand around in a period for a long period of time and just see what's going on, then customs is for you. It's it's You've got plenty of time for that. So anyway, we did. We stood around and we stood around and we stood around some more. And eventually we got through and we we're asked why we're here. And yeah, we're on holiday. We're on holiday. We made it out and Dad had a voucher for a shuttle. Oh, and by the way, everything I'm going to tell you is true. I'm not going to make this up for the podcast. Um, I'll do my best to recall everything in its, in its sequence. But I swear to you, everything that happened is true. And that's usually a thing that someone says when they're just about to lie to you. But no, I swear to you, it all happened. Okay, yeah, Here we go. So we got into the shuttle. It was, I'm going to say, 9 a.m. You know, we wouldn't have a clue of the time. And we got into this, this you know, large shuttle. And there was a bunch of other people. And, um, yeah, we were driving along in one of the legendary Los Angeles highways. Take a moment. I came from, at that point in time, a town of about a 1,000 people. Roads are kind of wide because massive trucks go down them. That's it. There's not even a traffic light. I think about fifteen years later, the town across from Baruga, one called Cobram, they received a traffic light. A single one front page news on the newspaper. That's right. Big question. Why? Why put a traffic light in? It was on one of those ones where you had to, you know, press the um the thing and it was just across the road. That was it. No one ever pressed it. They just crossed the road because it was Cobram, and there were no cars. Anyway, we're going along the shuttle and I'm counting the lanes across the road. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh my god, there's so many lanes on this highway. So many lanes. And having the time of my life, there was a bunch of people in there. Uh, There was a lady at the front that heard that we came from Australia. And this was one of the first moments we experienced uh, a phenomenon, which is you're from Australia, you should be dead. Because you have so many dangerous animals inside of Australia that all just want to kill you. And she was going on about how dangerous this is. And, of course, uh, this is there's going to be a theme throughout this entire um, podcast. This one. Uh, I was 16, so before you judge me too harshly, remember what it was like to be 16. So I kind of embellished a little bit about the fact that, you know, we have the, I think it's one through nine most deadly snakes in the world and the spiders and the scorpions and... The ants and everything else and all that kind of stuff. And so I might have embellished a little bit about how I might have, you know, just dealt with snakes on a daily basis, maybe a little, a little. In fact, the whole family, we all got into it. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, as we were driving along, uh, going to Anaheim, one of the other hotels in Anaheim, we started to run out of petrol. I'm not kidding. The thing pulled over and in the middle of a sort of a turn on one of those massive 10-lane, you know, highways, as the Americans say, we're out of gas. Apologies for my accent there. I gave it a shot. We're out of gas. So the guy driving it, let's call him Bernie, the guy driving it, Bernie, turns around and says, "Okay, I gotta go get some gas." Uh, and <laughs> he gets out of, the, out of the, 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 uh, the shuttle van thing, and then produces a like a four-liter plastic, you know, one of those milk bottles, you know, like that. That, um, yeah, that holds milk. That's it. What am I saying? Why am I over-explaining this? It's a four-liter milk bottle that holds milk. Not a lot to it anyway, so he goes and gets that and produces it. And my first little pickup on the visual is he has this and it's been used before many, many times. Why can't he manage his fuel? There's a lot of it, often tanks have you know 60 to 70 liters, uh, metric. I don't know what that is in gallons. Um, I, I Ten, Anyway, so he then leaves and we've already dropped a couple of people off. So it's literally uh, just us. Uh, there's a guy, there was a chap in front of the, uh, the seat. He was, he was from Mexico, didn't speak a word of English. And we got along, you know, we, 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 we did a lot of smiling, a lot of waving. And I think I did a lot of that. You know, if you can't speak English, we'll then just slow down the words and say a little louder approach to international diplomacy. Didn't work. And Dad was doing the same thing. Actually, he was getting a little annoyed. Um, I just thought we were going to get hit by a car. Uh, we, we then remembered, remembered the massive uh, pileups that occur in America. Legendary. And I didn't want to be the start of one of those. Technically, it was not me, it was the guy who ran out of petrol. I think at half an hour it passed, and he came in and he'd put the, the fuel in, and we made it to the hotel. Yay. And then uh, Dad handed over the the, the, the uh, shuttle voucher and the guy was like, yeah, no, I don't accept those things. You're going to have to pay us cash. Oh, hang on. Let me try another accent. Uh, yeah, no, I don't accept those things, okay? You're going to have to pay cash. Oh, is that Italian? That's Italian. Uh, I don't accept those things. You're going to have to pay cash. He was not from the South. I don't accept those things. You're going to after to big cash. Okay, let's just move on. Anyway, so my father was not one of, you know, he was one of those old kind of guys. He was born in 1942, and he was a big man, and he was not one of those ones brought to anger very quickly. But when he was brought to anger, it was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, he was getting angry. Anyway, this guy was getting a little afraid, and just when he. Uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, going to be one of those sort of scenes. In walks in possibly the coolest man I've ever met in my entire life. Bob, the concierge guy. He walks in, something walks in, walks out because we're parked in the you know the, the lobby area. He walks out and he is like, "What is going on here?" Because of course one of his guests has been inconvenienced. to wear one of his guests now, and. Yeah, he walks out. He's got blonde hair. It's it's a mullet, but it still works. Even though it's nineteen ninety one, mullets just haven't gone out just yet. And he just takes control of the scene. This guy is 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 verbally just made to feel very embarrassed, and he apologizes to my dad. Calls him sir. And then the guy leaves. I'm not sure if we paid because by then I'm looking around at all various things. And we have arrived. We are in Anaheim, a foreign country where things are different. Actually, it looked pretty much the same uh, then that to, to, to Melbourne. And... But I wanted to experience this place. I wanted to drink it in. Tomorrow, we are going to this place called Disneyland. You might have heard of it. It's a small place. And today, I want to just go and experience everything. So the first thing I experienced was the hotel lobby. That's right. This big, majestic lobby. Actually, it wasn't that big. But I experienced the concierge stand, which had a lot of brochures and stuff. And this guy was just... Yeah, he was the coolest thing in the world. He was so cool. He was so suave. And then, well, we still had the day. I was feeling a little bit jet-lagged, but we wanted to go experience it. So I went for a walk. Yeah. I wanted to taste... Of the donut of the United States of America. I have heard so many things. The backbone behind law enforcement. And I wanted to taste this. So I asked him, where can I go and get a donut? And he looked at me and said, are you sure? And I went, yeah. So he got a map, a paper map, and sort to show me the place so you can go and get it. And then I walked. Not a lot of other people were walking. That was one of the first little things I picked up on. A lot of driving. But not a lot of walking going on. But eventually we find this place and we go in and... Yeah. We order uh, some donuts and some Cokes. Uh, the accent was a bit of an issue, so they started making us coffee. We eventually realised that it's actually safer to say the word Pepsi than Coke. Uh, Pepsi's not a big thing in Australia. Uh, kind of is-ish now, but back in the day, no way. And... So, yeah, so we order, you know, Pepsi and some donuts. I go to pick up the Pepsi cup. I put my thumb through the Styrofoam cup, and it just goes everywhere on the floor. And this is where I'm like, well, this is just great. Ran out of petrol. And now my thumb's through the cup. So they gave me a large cup, and this is where I got to experience one of the truly majestic... um, things in America. I think it's a global thing, but anyway. My first one to experience at the time. This was a ridiculously large sized cup. Like, it's basically a bucket. It's it's a bucket that wants to grow up and become a real bucket, but it's pretty much a bucket. And so they gave that to me, you know, free. On the house. Whoa. Really? Oh my God yeah so I drank all the Pepsi I ate the donut and for the rest of the day I was high as a kite on sugar and caffeine and sleep deprivation and it made for a wonderful cocktail to experience the rest of the day where you know I made it back to the hotel and I walked up to our room I went past a machine that just gave you so much ice for no reason um, well actually you wanted ice located in the side of the corridor in a, you know, in a fairly lit room with neon lights and stuff like that, um, was a machine that you, you pressed it and you put this little bucket in, um, and, and a lot of ice came out. I know another thing that I got a little taste of what it's like to be royalty. That's right. See, in my fridge, I've got ice trays and they're blue and I can, you know, get some ice, but not a bucket of ice. I could technically drive down to the to the uh, service station and, and, and buy a whole bag of ice. But this is like a dedicated machine in my entire house. And I thought it was fantastic. And for the rest of the trip there, I would keep coming back and getting ice. I would get like a, a Coke with some glass and stuff like that. And I would just get a bucket of ice because I could. It was there. And it was free. So why not? The next day, bright and early. I'm talking 5.45 in the morning. We awoke. Oh my God. I sprung out of bed and got ready because we were headed for Disneyland. The happiest place on earth. TM. So we board another shuttle, checked credentials thoroughly, and then headed out to the door, and arrived at one of the most majestic and grand spectacles I've ever seen in my entire life. That's right, the car park of Disneyland. Oh my god. So big, so massive, so car parky. They had a well-oiled system of shuttles going around, so we, we eventually you know, navigated that and negotiated and then made it through those you know, front gates. And then, well, i I got to admit, I was absolutely and utterly blown away. The place was amazing. A perfect town. A perfect town. Amazing. Full of amazing rides. The, the interesting thing that um adorned on me, was the amount of effort they spent on the entertainment while you were standing in line for the ride that you wanted to go on because sometimes you were standing in line for an hour. Easy. Anyway, so... Disneyland was something I've never experienced before in my entire life. It was was absolutely and utterly astonishing. One thing I started to notice was... Just how how happy everybody was. And it's infectious. It really is. Dad was so happy. It was one of those beautiful mornings. You know, the sun was still sort of yet to rise in the day. And he was happy. He was really happy. I lined up to get a Mickey Mouse watch. I've always wanted a Mickey Mouse watch. Weirdly enough, I still do. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a harken back to my childhood days. But I always wanted a Mickey Mouse watch. So I lined up. I knew exactly which one I wanted. Uh, it was a basic one, tan, you know, hand the classic Mickey Mouse watch. I was lining up, and there was in the line. I was waiting, and there was there was a you know young girl, and his, the father was doing. His best to, to choose. She didn't know what she wanted, you know, the, the watch, and I, I can't blame that. There was there's lots to choose from, and you only get to come to Disneyland, you know, once in a lifetime, twice. So there was about I'm gonna say easily fifteen watches all lined up on the on the counter, and they were playing a game called Process of Elimination. Instead of choosing the one that you want, we were going to, well, they were going to remove the ones that she doesn't want. The ever so patient person uh, behind the counter was was yeah, smiling and they're going through it. I struck up a conversation with a, a lovely American lady who was just, just talking. I'd love to just start chatting to people. Uh, partly, and, and this is just, you know, full um, Transparency, I guess the word is. I just wanted people to know that I was Australian. I don't know why, again, 16-year-old. Don't, don't judge me. Anyway, so lovely conversation, and eventually got to the point where this, this young girl chose, and then she left. I came up, and I chose the one I wanted. Bang, that one right there, and the guys I assured you, you want to choose of any, any others, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm absolutely fine. And then the 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 lovely lady that I was talking to just pulled out her employee card and bang I got a staff discount. Yeah. Everything's going my way. So that was Disneyland day 1. Disneyland day 2 because you can't do Disneyland Disneyland all in one day. So Disneyland day 2 we rose again in the morning probably not as uh Ready, steady, go as the first morning. It was a full day of walking around. However, when I we arrived there again to do all the other parts of the park that we weren't able to do in the first place, again, the place just... just brings you in. It's... what's the saying? It's impossible to have a bad day there. This is not paid for by D- Disneyland at all. That would be nice. But it's not... But yeah, it's, apparently it's impossible to have a bad day at Disneyland. We soon finished that. And then the following day, I'm going to be honest, some of the days were a bit of a blur. Uh, we would rise early, we'd finish late, and we'd walk the entire day. And But there was one day we went down to Tijuana, Mexico. Oh my God, I've never seen a more festive place in my entire life. I really do believe this, and it's going to sound really corny, but I really do believe that the world is full of people. You know, 99.99999999% people that are just wonderful. They're really nice. They just want to have a good time, fall in love grow old happy, and just, just have a good time. No matter And the different, you know, flavors of how they go about that as around the world differ, but essentially it's exactly the same. My God, we are alike. And down in Tijuana, I met my nan. She's, she's not really my nan. It was in a situation where I was walking along and went, nan, what are you doing here? Um... But I'm at my Tijuana unofficial nan. So uh, we had one of those package deals where we go across the border and, and there was a, a tour guide and he was going to take us to this marketplace. And I was walking around the marketplace and I walked past a store and this guy was sort of cr- you know, crouching at the front and he beckoned me in. And he wanted to basically sell me. Okay, you're going to have to do some, some research here. There is a movie in the 80s uh, called uh, Stallone Cobra. Sylvester Stallone during the, the, you know, the Rambo period and stuff like that. And there was a, a movie called Stallone Cobra. Why do I mention this? It's very important you check it out because in the, the movie, there's a weapon. Uh, how do I describe this? Okay, you know the big Rambo knife? That was such a huge thing to have as a kid, by the way. Um, Big Rambo knife. So I think the movie producers of Cobra wanted to go one up from the the, the Rambo knife. And so what if you combined a knife, right, you know, big knife with, um, you know, knuckle dusters, those things you punch with. Okay, so what if you had that and it was big spikes around it and a knife? Whoa, next level. Anyway, so he's trying to sell me one of those. um, Stating that I would become a man if I had that. I knew there was no way in hell I was taking that, um, you know, across the border to to the US or back to Australia. There was just no way in hell. I mean, I wanted it. I was a 16-year-old. You imagine just that? I don't know what I would do with it. Peel potatoes or something? But damn, talk about a badass way to peel potatoes. Anyway, so I left that, and I we were just walking around by ourselves. Um, just left to our own sort of devices, and I was walking around, uh, and I came across this. This okay. So how do I how do I, how do I picture this? It was like a marketplace, a market stall. There was canvas, you know, sort of roofs of all these various stalls, and it was sort of undercover, even though under a big shed, massive. Place, But there were still those canvas things to sort of, you know, show different stalls and different stuff. And there was food and the aroma was amazing, spicy. But yet it had those notes of home, you know, the pastas and stuff like that. But was certainly there was that Mexican element um, about it as well. I wish I was a, you know, a, um, a food critic and I could give you a much larger vocabulary than what I'm giving you now. But there was that. So, I walk up, and I'm walking, you know, I'm pretty hungry, and you know, I'm deciding which one uh, to to choose from all the various stalls, and I walk along, 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 very similar to a food court, you know, when you walk through, and I come across what is possibly the tallest slice of, slice, It's probably not a term, portion, of lasagna I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I'm going to feign ignorance here, it's going to sound really stupid when I say it out loud, but I was ignorant, and I think we all still are in a certain sense, but I kind of thought that Mexicans wouldn't make lasagna. I know, I know, that's, why not, right? The lasagna's delicious. I make tacos, although I don't know how authentic they are, but I I just assumed, and I walked up, and there was, there was what was possibly the greatest uh, lasagna I've ever had up until that time. So I pay I think it was like 2 dollars American. And the 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 nana this lovely lovely old lady. You know the whole thing with the bun for the hair and the apron and and has a massive grin on her face because there was a guy that was how do we say it desperately in need of a good feed. I was always I that you know that stage where you we start growing up, but you haven't grown out yet. Yeah, that was me, 16, just grew up and it didn't grow out. And so she's slopped, you know, that on the plate. And I looked at that and went, Yes. And she just had this beam of smile in her face. We didn't really speak, she's sort of broken English. And and we spoke and I agreed and gave the, the um you know the money and, and and then went down and sat at a table and and I was you know eating this thing I go oh my God it's fantastic. So rich and tomatoey and creamy and just but yet it had these unique flavors that I wouldn't expect from from a lasagna because it was of the local area and the local produce and it was a, her own spin on it. And while I am about. I'm going to say 90% of the way through. I just, you know, ate it like crazy. I'm just about to, you know, lament the fact that I'm about to finish this amazing lasagna and it's going to be, you know, the last last time I had a lasagna in in Tijuana. And she comes up and out of the corner of my eye, she just goes schlock and puts another piece down exactly the same size. And then I looked up at her. She had the massive smile. It was making it very clear that she didn't want any more money. It was just that, and she just gives me this motherly little, little grandmotherly sort of pat on on the shoulder. And 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 it was that unspoken thing of like you need to eat. And I I polished that off as well. It was fantastic. And you know what the strangest thing is. I look back on all that time, and that is one of my most fondest memories of the whole trip. There's a lot, there's a lot, don't get me wrong. But that is one of my most fondest <laughs> memories of the whole trip, is this lovely smile from a lovely lady. <gasps> okay, Coco. You've seen the movie Coco, right? Well, picture Coco. a little younger, a little less rotund that's it, that, that, that's it, that's, that's, that's her, Yeah, let's dial back about 40 years, but, but basically it's her, anyway, sorry, digress, back to lasagna, so I finished that, I wanted to go somewhere and have a, you know, siesta, pretty sure no one in Tijuana says the word siesta, anyway, so... I walk around and I decide to do something a little foolish, but at the time I thought I was the coolest person on earth. One of the secret sources that my father did to make this holiday fantastic was this. Before I tell you, let me give you a bit of backstory. I, up until then, didn't really have any sort of you know jobs and I was I was working here and there because of school and stuff. But anyway, I was a paper boy. True story, paper boy. I would wake up at about four o'clock in the morning or four thirty or some godly hour, get on my bike, and deliver papers around the streets of Baruga. Makes no sense when I look back on it now, but I did it then. And it would take about three hours. Of my time, and for the trouble to deliver all these papers to all the various in you know, houses, I'd get twenty dollars a week yeah, a week, not a day anyway twenty dollars a week. so now you know where we're starting as far as my you know income is concerned, so just when we arrive you know in 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 America, dad just slops down. I don't think the word slops is the right one. Places down. 1,000 US dollars each for me and my brother. Boom. And we stare at this and go, where? He goes, that's your spending money. You can spend it on anything you like. Anything. The only caveat is once it's spent, it's gone. So understand that. There will be no extra, but you can spend it on anything you like. Anything. Anything. $1,000. So the first thing I bought was the coolest black biker leather jacket. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you're thinking the right thoughts. Did I look cool? Yes. Did I look awesome? Yes. Was I the epitome of awesome, cool? Yes. Did I own a motorbike? No. But I had the jacket. You only need the jacket. So I bought that jacket. And I wore that jacket with my t-shirts and blue denim jeans and my white Converse sneakers. But damn it, that jacket. Mm. So cool. I know, I know what you're thinking. You probably can't comprehend exactly how full-on cool I was, but I... Sorry, just took a moment there to, to remember how cool I was. I'm back. So that was a trip to Tijuana. It was wonderful. went to a market, we, we talked about how cool I was and the amazing food The made my, my adopted you know nana in Tijuana. And then we came back over and then back to the back to the uh, United States. The next destination was San Francisco. And to get there, we were going to travel in style. Instead of the whole, you know, um, plane thing. Oh, no. We decided to go via train. When I say we, Dad told us were happening and we agreed. So via train. And so we went to the station. God, there's something so grand about a station uh, Amtrak. And we boarded our seats, amazing seats, and the, the voice of guy. How do I put this? The voice of a guy. Okay, okay, I, this is the best way. In Australia, there's not a lot of what you would call ceremony, not a lot of stewardship. Uh, you get on a train, you probably won't. Hear the, the the conductor or anyone, it just starts and off it goes, and it's fantastic. We hear over the voiceover this amazing person, like, Good morning. Oh, again, I'm not going to do the American accent. Sorry. I think I inadvertently sounded like Tim Cook then on the shareholders' call. Good morning. Anyway, he bursts out and it's like, Good morning, passengers, blah, 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 and goes on about the, 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 the travel. It's like, Wow, that's really good. He could play a part as a conductor on the Broadway musical called The Train That Goes to San Francisco. He could. He was very convincing. If he was in a Broadway musical, I could probably then say, well, he could probably get a job as a train conductor. Hmm. I should think about that. So we boarded the train and we travelled across. And one of the cool things is they have these observation decks where you go there. And it's all a glass, you know, glass roof. And you get to sit and see the world go by. You can do that now via YouTube, which is pretty cool. But uh, before that, you had to, you know, be on the train and use your own eyes. And so I think it was about five, six hours, seven hours, something like that. But it was a lovely, relaxing journey that was just awesome. And it took us right to the heart of San Francisco. Pre-dot-com boom, I guess. Yeah. Possibly. San Francisco. What can I say about San Francisco? We travel there at the perfect time in our lives. Why do you say that? Well a movie called Crocodile Dundee 2 had just come out and of course it's following the massive Crocodile Dundee 1 the greatest propaganda movie of Australia uh, of the entire time yeah australia's nothing like that well most of australia's nothing like that it's it's amazing it's it's diverse uh, but yeah it's, it's nothing like that Okay, there's parts that are like that. There's parts that are like are like Mad Max, but most of it's not. Most of it's pretty much just 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 normal. Anyway, going on the whole, you know, you're gonna die from from you know poisonous snakes and and and, and spiders and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, and then moving on to Crocodile Dundee two. We kept running into people in San Francisco that, um. When they found out we're Australians, they're like, wow, you're Australians. Um, hand and heart, I'll never ever get used to that. And I love it all the time. Yeah, absolute adulation for a person that I'm not is is okay. I'll take that. Um, yeah. I'm good with it. Anyway, so San Francisco, the idea for San Francisco was to go through all the yeah, you know, the wonderful touristy uh places. And there's a couple that really stood out. For starters, the sounds of San Francisco are just amazing. I really hope it's still like that today, but walking around the hilly, you know, streets of San Francisco, you'd hear a saxophone player in the distance. And the streets and the, the buildings would echo and provide an amazing reverberation for this. Highly talented, and brilliant saxophone player who's just busking. He was just doing his thing, hustling for a dollar, and he said a wonderful. He was, entra- I was entranced, and I'd find myself, you know, after walking around with the, the family, or just by myself, and just pausing and listening. You'd get the echo just right, not too close, not too far away, and it was just. Yeah, if you live in San Francisco, I hope that still happens and I hope when you go for a walk you get sort of delighted cuz back then it was it was awesome. Almost as awesome as my leather jacket that I was wearing at the time. And looking amazingly awesome and fantastic and etc. Secondly was the whole, you know, Pier 49. Because that's where I first saw it. That's where I first saw the most beautiful object I've seen in my teenage years. Stay with me here. It was a blue and lighter blue tie-dye Led Zeppelin T shirt. Just gonna take a moment so you can sink that in. Yeah. Tie Dye. Led Zeppelin. The yeah the the, the um the dude that, that was like with the wings and stuff and he was he was yeah you know, reaching back. I saw that in, a, in one of the Pier 49 shops. Boom. Slapped down the cold hard traveller's checks and just bang. That is mine. I was embedding myself in the local culture of tie-dyed Led Zeppelin t-shirts in San Francisco. Big Led Zeppelin fan. First heard Led Zeppelin. And and this is actually true. Uh, a mate of mine, uh, Kelvin, he had uh, some cousins that bought a pub, one of those classic old country pubs. And in the country pub, it had a jukebox. And then we found this song on the jukebox in the old school. So look looking through, you know, with the old writing. And he found we found this song. We're like, it's called Black Dog. I gotta hear what this. It's about a dog. It's about a dog. And so we, we, you know, we turned it on and then there was a little key thing that they had it on where, you know, you don't need money before. So we did that. And it fired up and it was one of those, you know, records scratch, like records, actual records, record scratch type of thing. And to get it going, we actually had to give it a kick. I swear to God, like literally old school, like I was the font, had to give it a kick. And... Yeah. It was really cool. Black Dog. I was like, ooh, this sounds pretty cool. I ended up getting the like the double, you know, the, the Led Zeppelin um double set, which is I guess the beginner's guide to Led Zeppelin. And I was hooked. I still think they're one of the greatest bands of all time. There is a song called Babe I'm Gonna Leave You. Do me a favor. When you get a moment, just put some headphones on. Listen to that song. And I hope it brings you as many happy memories as it does for me. So anyway, massive Led Zeppelin fan, and I'm in this P 49 shop, and oh, it's there. Tie-dye. Tie-dye will never get old. Tydough will never go out of fashion. People will be loving dye forever. And it's got Led Zeppelin on it. So cool. So very, very cool. We rode the cable cars. I thought they were fantastic because they seemed incredibly unsafe. They literally grabbed a cable that moved. It's one of those great ideas that was like, well, it's worked so far. Let's just keep doing that. We've got electricity, I know we've got electricity, but this thing grabs a cable under the grounds. What do you need, anything more than that? And you can hang on the sides. Yeah, public liability insurance really hasn't kicked off there. So you could hang off the sides, and it seemed incredibly dangerous, so I, I loved it. But I think the piece de resistance of San Francisco... Would have to be the trip to Alcatraz. And Alcatraz, weirdly enough, planted the seed for me to be hooked on podcasts, on audiobooks. It stay with me. But it did. It really did. We traveled out via boat to, to the rock. And it was a fairly fine day, still pretty windy. And to do the tour around, you'd spend about 20 bucks. And they'd give you a Walkman that had a cassette. And it was like one of those in-your-head tour guides. It made the experience so damn immersive. You'd walk through... Uh, there, was this, there was this piece, I'll never forget it. So yeah, I walked into the kitchens, because it would guide you. It's like, go here, turn this off, and then turn it back on when you get to such and such place. So you'd walk through, and then then the other one was like, you know, when you get to the, 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 the mess hall or the, the eating area, turn it on. I'm going to try American accent again. Apologies. So he walks in, and this voice in my head said, okay... What I want you to do is I want you to look around. You see on the walls, there's those gas things there. Because what you don't understand is that Alcatraz has all the hardened criminals in the world. They're there. And they've got themselves each in their hands. A metal knife and fork. And if something was to go down, the guards knew that they were dead. But look at those canisters. If something would break out, those gas canisters there would release gas as a suppressant. In my mind, I was like, whoa. So I walked around. I walked on the you know, down down the main hallway, and what they did was in in the head, in the um, inside the uh, the headphones, they filled it with ambient noise of what would happen. You know, sort of what would happen, the ambient noise of of the prison. As much as AR is, it enables you to to sort of see in the past. I think the audible thing, can easily achieve that. It really can. Anyway, so that was what little plant that seed of of you know the power of the audiobook and the, the the audible version audible get your free audiobook by the way. Quick plug. That actually works by the way. You literally can, like you can actually go and get uh, a a a free book if you literally wanted to sign up membership plan. You get the first month free by the way, so you don't get get um charged first month free and then you just you choose your book download the book then hit cancel that's it you get to keep it and audible goes fair enough see their gamble is that you're going to like it and their gamble is that they they're going to charge you a reasonable price and that you're going to want to come back i've been an audible member for it's got to be 10 years Oh, and by the way, you can keep re downloading your books again and again and again and again and again. There's just no limit on that. And I don't think there's any limit on devices either because I've never, I've always put it on new phones and I've put it on tablets and I've put it on other phones and stuff. And I've never reached that, well, you've got it on too many phones limit. No, you just go nuts. Crazy. But yeah, so if you sign up for the gold plan, that's one book. But hey, here's the trick if you sign up for the platinum plan, you get two. So, you literally can, you know, pony up, get the, well, sign up, but you're not paying anything, download the two free audiobooks, cancel, you're good to go. There you are. If you're going to choose a book, I recommend Name of the Wind. It's fantastic. And then the other, the second one, which is A Wise Man's Fear. Anyway, that, that inadvertently turned into an ad, but um, but that got you know I so said I'm on Alcatraz and I've experienced that place, and that's what got me into audiobooks. It's a cold day, it's a windy day. I don't think that place is ever warm. I learned also that they had warm showers inside of there, so they never got them acclimatized to the cold too much because they didn't want them to not really care about the ocean, you know, you go swimming and all that kind of stuff. So that was San Francisco. By then, it's been about, I'm going to say, a week and a half-ish. we have been rising up at about 6 o'clock in the morning and going to bed at about 10 o'clock at night. And I was pretty tired. Got to be honest. But Dad's regime was, was, well, we're here and we're going to get the most out of every single moment. So, strap in. But the deal was that when we got to Hawaii, we could sleep in as much as we want. And sure enough, we bid farewell to San Francisco that stupid thing of I'll see you soon I haven't been back since and then we made our way to Hawaii the first day I just slept It was one of those wonderful, relaxing, do-whatever-you-want moments. And I decided to sleep. I was incredibly exhausted, so I just slept. Experienced Hawaii from the relaxation of a hotel room. Enjoyed this thing called MTV. REM's Automatic for the People was the hit song at the time and some VJ that would sign off with the words. And he, he had um, tea, the, the teased hair. I don't think the um, uh, Nirvana had hit quite yet, so that the hair was still teased. or was all sort of Warrant, Cherry Pie era. And there was a guy in a leather jacket, nowhere near as cool as me, by the way, leather jacket, and his little tag before he would, he would look at the camera and then he would say his line and then flick the back of his hair at you and then walk away like he was... Oh coolness and his line was this uh, forget his name let's call him R- R- Rudy Sanchez my name is Rudy Sanchez and I know I don't want you touch my hair and then we would flick it just to show you what his hair's got yeah longish hair down to his shoulders but it was like you know blow dried to the side and it was teased and it was yeah just i know i don't want you to touch my hair flick There's some things you see in certain styles at the time that you're not really aware of how stupid they are. But when I saw that guy, I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. You're a tool. That's, yeah, okay, you're a tool. So I swam in the oceans. The coral was an interesting uh, touch when you just go out from the from the sand and then you're on the coral that was a bit real but it was warm and it was humid it was fantastic and i was enjoying this thing called the us meal portion size america is a saying quantity has a quality all its own and oh my god the meal sizes are fantastic especially for a 16 year old teenager give it to me fantastic so we enjoy that. And and Hawaii was per, I mean the whole holiday was perfectly structured, but Hawaii was the kind of place where we were we just did whatever we want we want. We had a few things we had to do, but it was pretty much whatever we wanted. I think I ate the greatest ever beef spare ribs in my entire life there. Went for a drive. Uh to the other side of the island. I'm sorry, but we got into a car and we travelled other side of the island. There was a, there was a roadside place that was kind of out of the way, which was very very interesting to me. You know, those those sharp green rolling hills, and I thought the island was just one big city, but eventually you go out, you know around and you eventually get to just farmlands and greenery and sharp hills, and it's 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 beautiful. If you've ever seen Lost, you know, you've probably seen those those sharp green hills. And that's pretty much what it was like. But there was a cool little old place that was you know, had a veranda, a wooden veranda that would creak under, you know, your feet as you walk along. And a gravel sort of, you know, driveway ish kind of place. And we drove there and it was a cool place to eat. And so I had these r- beef spare ribs out on the balcony, overlooking this wonderful countryside of Hawaii and I just just, just drank it in and, and the scenery was fantastic but it pairs really well with beef spare ribs the next day I got the shock of my life absolute shock of my life there was a thing and I'm pretty sure it still is a thing you can go to which is there's a restaurant which is one big barbecue place, and you go there and it's got everything that you need and it's right on the beach and it's there in sunset and it's fantastic. However, my father, you know, we we all sit down and my father's loving this because it's got the barbecue and and I think there's something innately cavemanish about a barbecue. I think you could literally. This would be a great experiment. You could grab, um, you know, like five men from each continent around the world. Let's go Africa. Let's go Russia. Let's go South America, North America, Asia, Australia, uh, South Africa, all – and a couple around Europe. Right. Just get a bunch of men, and one will start cooking. You know, barbecue. The rest would just move and stand around the barbecue. We are just driven to that, aren't we? Just to stand around and talk about nothing. And that's great if it's a barbecue. But in my mind, Andrew, the 16-year-old, there was a clear distinction between a barbecue... And a restaurant and they shouldn't meet unless you go there and they cook it for you. But as my dad runs away to go and look at all the various sort of implements you can use to cook and all that kind of stuff, this guy comes up, the employee, and he puts this steak down on my table that's wrapped in tin foil. He's like, Okay, what you're gonna wanna do is you're gonna you wanna go like about four minutes on this side and then flip it over it and it's gonna taste fantastic. And I look at him in absolute and utter horror. It, The golden glow is happening. The sun is beginning to set. The, the you know, of wow, the ocean as it comes on. The salty, warm, humid air. And in all this, I am disgusted at what I'm about. What? I'm meant to cook this myself. I remember, you know, thinking such indignation. My dad comes back and he's like... What the hell's wrong with you? Which I, if I was like, you know, I could go back in time. Um, It's probably proof that, at least in my lifetime, time machines aren't possible. Because if I could, I'd go back to that moment and slap myself in the back of the head. What the hell were you thinking? So dad, you know, takes the steak and goes and cooks it and comes back. Of course, 16-year-old, I wanted my steak well done. And um yeah, I distinctly remember that being being disgusted. Man, I'd give anything right now, and I will. I'll, I'm going to go back. I'll try and research that same place. Can there be so many places? I guess right. And I want to cook me that steak, and the amazing communal barbecue with all those. Other people from around the world enjoying that, that, you know, that that primal moment. And that was the trip to Hawaii. We went to a luau. We did the luau thing. That was fantastic. Uh, There's a photo of me looking very awkward. Um, I think there's a lot of photos of me looking very awkward. But yeah to Hawaii and then soon enough it was it was over and it was time to come back to home and we did and it was a wonderful trip i'll never ever forget that holiday it was it was such a gift a gift of an adventure stuff comes and goes but adventures just seem to last a lifetime and every year it gets a little more grand. Anyway, that was our virtual holiday. I hope you had a wonderful time. I'll have to think up more places. Well, not recount more places. I swear to you, all that was true. I mean, not a lot of it was really out of the ordinary, but although it was true, I bought a lot more junk. And stuff. I think I bought like about 10 different baseball caps I wore a white socks uh, Baseball cap Forever and a day when I came back That was just my thing I still have one today too by the way I don't wear it but I just I don't know, it feels nice to own a White socks Cap And then we came back home Back to the small town of Baruga With a population of 1,000 people And then got back on with life and got ready for the next adventure. Hey, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Although I hope by now you're asleep. And you're having a wonderful night's rest. Ready for the next day. So if you are, good night. Sweet dreams. Take care Until you meet again